when something feels really big and scary, we can scale it back to right now. We have one breath that we are breathing right now in this moment. And the past has already happened. The future hasn't happened yet. And even if we're feeling sad in this breath, all we need to do is breathe. All we need to do is be right here. We don't have to even worry about the next breath. And I think taking these big grandiose experiences that we have and scaling them down to the teeniest, tiniest version of that moment that we're in can make it easier for us to be in the present. It can make it easier for us to offer compassion to ourselves when we're having those emotions because all we have to do is breathe. Hi, I'm Emily Lies, and you're entering a world gone good. Well, hello, my name is Steve, and this is the place where we spotlight everyday people making good happen each and every day. Welcome to World Gone Good. My birthday is one week away. Woo! What's the best present I could ask you to get me? Yes, you. I'm going to give you two choices, okay? For a whopping $3.99, you can join our Patreon page and help keep this show a-going. Visit patreon.com slash worldgonegood and sign up to be a supporter for a penny under $4. That's uh, a choice number one for you. And here is a uh, choice number two. For the astounding reasonable price of $4.99, you can enjoy my very first cozy mystery ever, Drown Town is available on both Amazon and Barnes & Noble. And yes, the ebook is available for a penny under $5. The paperback is a few bucks more. I'd love to get you uh, your own copy in your hands, give it a read, and then you get to give me your review. These are the two best gifts you can give a good guy for his upcoming birthday. And in advance, I say thank you. Okay, I have a question for you. You ready? Here it is. Are you feeling stuck, stuck in your personal life, your romantic life, your professional life, or just as a human in this time we are individually and collectively living and going through? I ask this because I have quite a few friends and some former coworkers who are feeling just that. They're feeling stuck. I felt this way too, and I had to ask myself, why do I feel stuck? And how do I move past this and become unstuck? Well, you're going to want to stuck around, because we are diving in here to what is going to be a three-episode arc focusing on our brain, our gut, and our soul, and how these three very powerful parts of ourselves not just play into feelings and these feelings, but also how they can help us move through them and past them. Adele Wong from All Things Human is going to handle our gut part, and Jeffrey V. Noble from The Noble Touch is going to tackle our soul um, in a good way, (laughs) both coming up in our next two episodes. But first, today, we begin the process of becoming unstuck with our brain, the old noodle. So uh, here's a question for you. Do you know your brain, my brain, all our brains have an amount equal to 2.5 petabytes of memory capacity? A petabyte equals a million gigabytes. So you got 2.5 million gigabytes. That's a lot, people. A lot of memory and a lot of stuff that we hold on to. There are all kinds of ways 
to unlock more of our own brain potential. Meditation, exercise, a brain-nourishing diet, social connections, novel experiences, dot, 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 or you could just listen to today's good guest. Emily Lies is a, well, for lack of a better word, I'm going to call her a brainiac. (laughs) And this is her good to share. Well, this is random. So Emily Lies is here. She's a hypnosis practitioner and a brain training specialist, but we're not talking about any of that right now. Hold on, everybody. Let me take you back. I'm on the Instagrams, I'm looking at stories, as I like to call it, happy scrolling, not doom scrolling, and (laughs) um, I see this woman, and she's talking about the brain, and I'm like, okay, all right, I'm going to click, oh, this was only like, you know, 14 seconds, whatever they give some stories, I'm going to click on this, I watched her whole thing, I go to her page, I'm fascinated by all this, I do what I do with a lot of guests, I send her an email. And then she writes me back and she says, go for it, Emily. (laughs) I think I said, I'm I'm pretty sure you know my partner, right? It was random. (laughs) Yeah. Because I was sitting with my partner and I said, oh, I got invited to be on a podcast. And I always share that um, with them. And I I showed the name and they said, I know Steve. (laughs) 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 What a small world. And we thought that you followed me through Aaron. But, you know, it turns out it's what a small world. It's so weird. And the really crazy thing is I knew Erin when she was like 2010 Erin, 2011 Erin. Oh, so I knew okay. 13. You saw an era that I didn't see. Yes. I, I'm <laughs> being honest here. I knew 14, 13, 14-year-old Erin in a wow. non-creepy way, everybody. Um, yes. <laughs> because she knew two other uh, women. Let's see, Drew and Shannon. I think Drew is in somewhere in Florida and Shannon's uh, just outside of London. And I just spent Christmas Eve online with Shannon and her uh, partner, boyfriend, John, and my husband. And because we play, um, we play these online escape rooms together and oh, we do it on Zoom. Y'all can join us anytime you want. We did, yes. we did one together in um, right at Halloween. It was so fun. It was a haunted house to get out of. This new one was so damn hard, and we're going to get to this. It was, like, ridiculously hard. Like, the order of things you had to do things in, and then you had to, like, wait, what? And you had to read a a log, and there was all this stuff. But this is all about the brain. So this all comes back to everything Mm. perfectly. Okay, so (laughs) look. I'm going to start with a really giant question. We're going to work our way in because I'm fascinated by this. This is the question. Emily, what is good about our brains? What is good about our brains? Ooh, so many things. Um, am I am I allowed to answer more than one? Yes. Or do you need one answer no. to this? Okay, so first and foremost, what is good about our brains is that our brains can change. So that's that's number one. Number two, what's good about our brains is that we are capable of directing the changes that are happening, which is awesome. And number three is that our brains don't know the difference between imagination and reality. So we can use our imaginations. And I, I know you're in, in film and storytelling, so this ties in as well. We can use our imagination to change our brains, which is just my favorite fact in the entire world. 
I love all that. Let's go back to the first part of this because I want to key sure. into something. So many people are terrified of change. Yes. And that why, makes sense. Yes. But why is that when our brain allows us to imagine anything we want and then live that reality and then go do it? Shoot, if we choose. Mm. So our brains are afraid of change because we are designed to prioritize what's familiar. Our brains are designed to just, they are designed baseline to keep us alive. And by default, familiarity equals safety to our brains. Even if familiarity isn't awesome for us, even if our habits aren't particularly good for us, at least it's predictable. You know, if we have coping mechanisms that aren't so good, our brains at least know that it'll help. It'll do something. And so um, I'll give you an analogy. If we are back in caveman era and we are walking through the woods and we come across a family of bears, obviously we're going to get terrified, right? We want to run away. Let's say we get to safety, of course. But as you're running away from these bears, what do you think would be the safer option? To run back home where you know that there will be shelter and safety and community to support you or to go in a completely different route? where there could be bears and tigers and lions and <laughs> threats and all of these other things, right? You'd be more likely to go back home because you know where you're going, you know what to expect. And so that tendency has prevailed. And that tendency is is true for our emotional and, and relational lives now. So that's why people pick the same kinds of partners over and over again, because they're used to it, they're familiar and trying something new represents potential danger, even though we consciously know that that new thing could be good for us. I love this. You need your own podcast. Why am I even talking? Why am I here? Oh, my podcast is en route in about two weeks. Yes! So don't worry. Okay. Awesome. <laughs> We're going to discuss yes. that. So let me ask you this. I mean, I say this, you know, in a, in a coy way. You've always been a brainiac. You've always been into the brain. You've always, I mean, you you have a uh, an MS uh, in mind-body medicine. You're smarty. Yeah. So, you know, it's funny because I, I am an actor by training as well. So I started in musical theater and vocal performance. And my, my undergrad degree is in acting. Wow. And I... Yeah. So, um, but I, I think a lot of people see those two fields as so opposite, you know, science and, and hard facts and studies and research, and then there's playing on stage. But I, I see both of these things as a way for me to understand the human experience mm -hmm. using imagination and possibility. So I, I feel like it blends in pretty well, but I did not used to be a science person at all. If I had told my younger self from 10 years ago that I would be here, that I would get voluntarily get a master's degree in a science field, I would have rolled my eyes. <laughs> well, it's funny you talk about that because I say to my husband all the time about, you know, my lifelong dream as a kid and, and still is, is to be a veterinarian. And he, he always looks at me and goes, do you know how much school you'd have to start? I'm 53 years old. And I'm like, yeah, but my uh, Bachelor of Fine Arts in Writing for television and film, that should, I should get a couple credits that roll over. Right. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. But you know, it's interesting because I, I thought that it would be a really big pivot. We can talk about how I, you know, was introduced to that stuff. But Please. when I, when I started getting into this kind of work, I realized how 
much I was drawing from my storytelling skills. Because hypnosis is just co-creating a new reality and telling a story as a way to change the brain. So I am using my acting skills every single day in this work. And it's it's pretty amazing to see how how it blends together. But hold but, on, hold um, on, hold on. Yeah, yeah. If Galinda opened on the possibility for you to play her in Wicked, let's not kid ourselves. You would Oh, 100%. 100%. I'm, I'm not done with the that door. Thing. Right. I, I know. Done. I figured. I'm not done. <laughs> oh yeah. Trust me, Steve. I am not done with acting. I am <laughs> I moved to New York City to pursue acting. Uh but it was in December of 2019. Three months before the world shut down, so the the pivot happened. I mean, I've been doing this work. Uh, I was doing that work before this, um, but I I just dove, you know, headfirst into the brain training stuff because the world needed it. I needed it, and the world shut down, and there weren't auditions. But yeah, if 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 Stephen Schwartz called me and said we need you for Galinda, I would come in tomorrow. <laughs> Wait, let's let's talk yeah. about that for one second and we and I will get back to the other stuff because you just brought up something 2019 the world did shut down. Did did we all become stuck at that point do you feel? Did our brains become stuck mm. because I find I say this kindly because this is a show about good things as I like to tell my listeners. <laughs> um this is a show about good. I never said I'm nice. Okay, so that get we got that yeah. out of the way. <laughs> but but I find so many friends, family, strangers are stuck. And again, I link that yeah. back to fear. But yeah, how does 100%. that relate back to our brain? Why why are we stuck right now? So there's a couple of reasons. And yes, first and foremost, people are stuck because of the pandemic, 100%. And myself included. You know, we we are all figuring out how to re-enter our lives after a very bizarre couple of years. And but there's there's a couple of reasons why I think that stuckness happened. Um, fear is a big one because we just had no idea whether we would survive in 2020. I mean, and, and there's still that fear. I mean, the pandemic is not over. <laughs> and I think so. I think there's this really intense fear, this really horrible period of time where everything we saw pandemic in addition to everything else that happened in 2020 that the world was so uncertain and going back to what we said in the beginning we crave familiarity for safety and so everything was changing every single day but on top of that our days started to blend together and look exactly the same every single day we didn't leave our houses and the brain needs novelty in order to thrive and in order to move forward. So that's where that stuckness comes in. And when our days look the same, our brain actually consolidates all of those experiences as one. So that's why 2020 felt like it was one day and it was also 10 years. Right, right. <laughs> because our, yeah. So it, it was like this never ending groundhog day of everything's the same. Every single day we're doing all of our work in our living room on the couch and also doing everything else in the living room on the couch. And, um, there's this amazing book called The Fun Habit by, I believe, Mike Rucker. And he talks about how in order to really find happiness and inspiration, we need to 
intentionally bring novelty into our lives. Because when we have new experiences, our brains are more able to change. It's easier for us to create new habits and new mindsets and confidently pursue creative endeavors when we have that novelty, because there's already so many more new connections happening in the brain. So it's easier for more and more of them to happen. So it's kind of this snowball effect of newness and reward. And when we don't have that initial push of novelty in our life at all, of course, we're going to be stuck. And on top of that, the world was depressing. (laughs) Right. It was, yeah, it was a perfect storm to be, to not feel like we could move forward, honestly. And that's where this show was birthed at. I mean, in the throes of it. Like October 7th, 2020 is when this show launched Mm -hmm. for the very reason Mm -hmm. you're talking about. But it's interesting because you said something else and I want to get your thoughts on this. Um, The world. I have said for years, I've said it on here when people ask me, not that I always said this, (laughs) not like there's some fucking line out the door of people going, Steve, (laughs) show me the way. Um, But when I've spoken to people and younger people and people coming up in the business that I do and other fellow writers, and they ask me like, you know, what's, what's the, you know, how do I get unstuck? How do I get past writer's block? How do I get more creative? How do I get past the fear? I always say the same thing, which is travel leave yes. what you talked about. Go in the woods. Go see some bears. 100%. Don't be afraid of the bears. Yeah. And on that <laughs> note, but on that note, culture plays into this because yeah. the culture of the United States during the pandemic and how it affected our brains was based on the information we saw on television, the limited information, the unknown, the uncertainty. But then it leads you to wonder when you look at the other countries of, you know, specifically, for example, New Zealand how New Zealand handled mm-hmm. it. They handled it a much different way and their numbers they went did. way down faster. But what was that like for those people? You know, and it's like you right. you only know what you know in your space is what I'm saying. And mm-hmm. that's what I wanted to ask you is culturally um, around the world, obviously different cultures, different priorities – how does that affect how the brain works? And also, how does it affect us when we go and visit? Because you can always oh, yeah. you can always see an American, let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you can always spot them. Always. always. We're the ones in the baseball caps. Um, yes. Always. Looking lost. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I could obviously can only speak from my own experience as an American. I, I did study abroad and live in um, Vienna, Austria for six or seven months in college, which was an amazing experience, but it was still a Western culture. Um, You know, culture is everything because our brains learn from our experiences and our beliefs stem from our experiences that we have in our lives and what, based on what people tell us as we're growing up. And, you know, we can talk a bit about hypnosis if you want. um, But, you know, the, the key to, Hypnosis is bringing the brain into what's called the theta brainwave state, which is um, a more relaxed, more creative part of our brain's experience. We go in and out of the theta state all the time, especially when we're watching TV, when we're reading books, when we're engaging in stories. And that state makes us more susceptible to suggestions. It makes us more open to new ideas and new emotional experiences. And kids, up until the age of about seven years old, 
are in the theta brainwave state their entire life, all day, every day. And so when we are growing up in a culture as a child, everything we experience becomes a suggestion and all of our experiences at that young age are forming how the brain works. So it, the culture we grow up in is everything. It determines every part of how we move through our lives. And if there are parts of those, that conditioning that we don't want anymore or that isn't serving us, that's where brain training and hypnosis can come in so that we can go back into that brainwave state and make the corrections that we want and make the changes that we want so that we can broaden our minds in that way. Um, now, I know you, know, you asked a second part of that question in terms of travel. I think travel is also essential. I mean, that, that is, if we're talking about novel experiences, that is one of the most extreme ways to do it. You know, we're totally changing our environment. We are changing our perspective. We're often hearing new languages. And the more we see the world, the more open we are to understanding and empathizing with and, and adapting to, you know, all of the chaos of the world in a more positive way. That being said, travel is exhausting. So we want to find the balance between stress and, um, and those new experiences. But in terms of brain change, travel is magic for that. Yes. And you just hit it so well. I did 15 days with two friends in Italy. It was supposed to be a group. It's one of those things of like, it's my friend's 40th birthday. We're all going to Italy for two weeks. And 30 people, yeah. And then, you know, a couple of weeks later, it was like 15 people, yeah. And then my friend calls me and goes, So it's me, you, and Oscar. And I went, Oh, okay. I said, Yeah. Yeah. I go, Well, I'm going. Like, I said, If it's me and you, I'm happy. And it was fine. I didn't know he, Oscar was a, was a friend of his, but a peripheral friend of mine. I didn't really know him. Mm -hmm. But roughly nine, 10 days into that trip, the brain does did, did do that thing and does do that thing of, I just want to be in my own bed. I just want to make yeah. my own food. I just want to be with my dog. <laughs> you know, like I want to do laundry. <laughs> yeah. I mean, new experiences are really amazing for us and it takes more energy to process them. I mean, especially when we are in a foreign country with a different language our brains can't fo function on autopilot in the way that they do at home because we have to be so hypervigilant about all of the cues around us because we're just trying to make sense of where, where we are and what we're doing. I mean, I developed severe chronic fatigue after I got back from Austria because it was so much. It's just so much for our systems and it was amazing. So there is a balance between those things. We are tied to the reality of the moment we are in, what we're feeling, and how our brain processes it. It's like three things to me. Yeah. And it's also the past and the future. So it's not just the present. And I think that's the, that's the, the part of our experience that gets to be too much. Because you're mentioning this. Like you want to be present with even the hard moments, the sad moments, the stressful moments. And I think we are equipped to navigate the emotions of the moment. But the problem occurs when we are processing the emotion of the moment and also the thing that happened yesterday and the thing that happened 20 years ago and the thing we're worried about tomorrow. And that's when it's too much. That's because there's so many experiences that aren't necessarily happening right now. And that's when we get overloaded and overwhelmed. And so when we're present 
with right now, with our experience, with our emotions, and with how we are moving through this exact moment, it can become more manageable. And that's something that I talk about a lot in my classes and in my workshops is when something feels really big and scary, we can scale it back to right now. We have one breath that we are breathing right now in this moment. And the past has already happened. The future hasn't happened yet. And even if we're feeling sad in this breath, all we need to do is breathe. All we need to do is be right here. We don't have to even worry about the next breath. And I think taking these big grandiose experiences that we have and scaling them down to the teeniest, tiniest version of that moment that we're in can make it easier for us to be in the present. It can make it easier for us to offer compassion to ourselves when we're having those emotions because all we have to do is breathe in any any experience that we're having. And chances are it can help us soothe the next moment in that way. And what's really amazing about it is the experience we're having at that moment, it's just what you said, is that 15 minutes later, the memory of it has already shifted. And then we go 10 years later, mm-hmm. whether it's positive or negative, or we even we forgot it and someone brings it up. Yeah. That's the one I always love is like, and I love talking about this is like, um, especially with our parents, our siblings, right? Who have known us our whole lives. We had this really, like you were talking about, we had this really intense time with them there are things that we remember and the brain remembers and the emotions remember. And then you tell them to a sibling and they go, what? When did that happen? They have no memory of it. And then they have a memory of you. My brother has a memory and he is, he apologized to me. He's five and a half years older than me. He apologized to me for throwing me out of our bedroom. We shared as kids. He said, you were being such a dick that day and you're being such a brat and I was just a teenager and you were like nine and I was like 14 and I couldn't take it anymore and I lifted you up and I felt so bad. I ran you out and I threw you into a wall and I (laughs) – and he's like – and you slumped on the ground and I'm listening to him and we were face to face when he's telling me this whole thing and he's like, and I went to therapy over this and I've – and he told me the whole thing. You know what my response was? I – I don't remember. Don't remember it. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. Thanks. And he's like, isn't that funny? Yes. So you you said that the emotional intensity is what causes us to remember things. And we have this natural bias towards the negative. So chances are, as we look back on our lives, it's easier for us to remember the bad, big, negative things. Why is that? So it's called the negativity bias, and it's designed to protect us. Every human has this pre-wired negativity bias. And back in early human evolution, thinking back to the, you know, walk in the woods with the bears, it it makes us more likely to prioritize survival over pleasure. And that makes sense because it literally keeps us alive. So thinking about walking through the woods, once again, you see that family of bears and then you get scared, you run away, you're safe. You keep walking through the woods and you find this gorgeous meadow. And it has the most beautiful flowers and it's full of berries and food and it has like a stream nearby and there's all this abundance. And when you get home at the end of the day, back to your cave or wherever it is we lived back then, um, it's more important to remember where the bears lived over where the meadow was. Because if we forgot where the bears were, we might not see 
the meadow ever again because we may not live after tomorrow if we stumble upon those bears. If we forget the meadow, that's fine. We will live to see another day because we're avoiding threat. So we are primed to focus on naturally and prioritize negative experiences over positive ones. So this is why it's so much easier to focus on the one negative comment that we get on social media. This is why it's easier to remember the one asshole who cut us off in traffic over all the people who were driving near us that were fine, right? Right, We don't think about the the Honda next to us that was totally pleasant and didn't bother us. We thought about the guy who almost cut us off. And at the end of the day, we're thinking about all those negative things because our brains are trying to keep us safe. They're trying to help us avoid those threats. And the problem is that our lifestyles have evolved so much faster than our brains. And so now we are getting stressed out about somebody who didn't wish us happy birthday. <laughs> like That is causing unnecessary fight or flight responses in our bodies. And that's causing chronic stress. It's not helping us anymore. And so the key to undoing this negativity bias, because we can change our brains, the key to doing this is to really start intensifying the good moments that we do experience because emotional intensity, as you were saying, is the key to the things that we remember and the things that we learn from. And so a really simple way to do this is as you move throughout your day, start to take in the moments where things are going your way. Notice when there isn't someone cutting you off in traffic. Maybe notice like when you're hitting a green light and say, things are going my way enjoy that moment. And it's a teeny tiny moment. Maybe the weather is nice and things are going your way. Maybe you have enough blueberries in the fridge to make a smoothie. Things are going your way. And as we put our focused attention on those teeny tiny moments and actually enjoy them and create some kind of emotional intensity around them, our brains will start to balance out that bias. And we're going to start to be able to naturally take in those good moments that normally pass us by, they can become opportunities to feel better and better and better and actually like our lives. So when there's something good that happens, that's bigger than just hitting a green light, spend time enjoying it. It's like when people go see the Grand Canyon, I've never been myself, but I know people go see the Grand Canyon and they just want to soak it up and they just want to savor the moment as much as they can because a photo doesn't do it justice. And they think about how much awe and gratitude they're experiencing. They almost like turn up the volume on the feeling so that they can remember it forever. That is a tool that we can use with the good stuff that happens in our lives that aren't quite as big. So if you accomplish a little project, celebrate it and acknowledge how you're feeling and notice the inner strengths that it took to get there. And the more we express that gratitude and turn up the volume on it, the more our brains are going to learn from it and the easier it will be to not be so bothered by that guy that cut us off when we were driving home. I've talked about this on so many times on here. We have a happy jar. Um, We call it a happy full jar. We started doing this about 15 years ago and we started every January 1st and on every New Year's Eve, we open it up and dump it out. And we put, oh, I love that. we put it something that made us happy that day, something that made us smile, something we feel good about. And it doesn't have to be giant things. It's in the moment things. And that's essential. And that's, you know, a, another way to, I love that you, that you look at that at the end of the year. Cause that's absolutely beautiful. Something that I share with my clients and people in my classes as well is 
at the end of the day, write down three things that went well or three things that made you smile. And they can be so small. Like my cat stole a string from wrapping from Christmas uh, and he has been carrying it around <laughs> everywhere we go. He follows us with that string uh-huh. and it, I'm writing that down at the end of the day. It's like baby Mangus t- took the string and he brought it to me in the bathroom and it made me laugh so hard. And it's to anyone else. It sounds ridiculous, but it, made my day. And I think allowing small things to make our day is the biggest thing. I mean, that's, that's how we like our lives and how we can bring awe, like the awe of the Grand Canyon into the teeny tiny moments that we're having, because life is just a bunch of little moments that we can choose to enjoy more and more. We beat ourselves up unnecessarily. And we talked about this Mm -hmm. earlier. I constantly have to remind myself people are only thinking the best of me no one there's very few people who are thinking the worst of me i'm sure there are a few people out there whatever (laughs) that's not my problem but i'm not good i could focus on them you know Mm -hmm. i could focus it's so much easier to and like you said i could focus on the one guy who cut you know cut me off on the street or whatever or i could focus on just the reality of no people are thinking the best of you people are good people are kind and yeah. And there is a lot of bad in the world. And I'm not making light of the bad things that yes, are happening in the world. Of course. Um, and the thing, I think the thing is, the more we lean into the moments where things are good or okay, it gives us the resilience to be able to handle the bad. This is not about negating the crap and terror that is happening in the world right now. You know, it's it's about allowing ourselves to feel as okay as possible as often as possible so that we can do something about the bad. Right. Right. On your website, you offer the hypnotic empowerment six week masterclass. I do. How does that work? What, What do we need to know? Tell us. So the hypnotic empowerment six-week masterclass is, it's really a a brain training intensive. So if people follow me on social media, I I share little snippets of these tools, but it's a a six-week long protocol of brain training and hypnosis tools that can help you really clear out the mental junk that's that's keeping you stuck. You know, we went talking about that stuckness. It's designed to help you change your brain's response to the stressful things in your life and build that resilience and reprogram the subconscious beliefs of I'm not enough, I'm not worthy, and really allowing ourselves to celebrate who we are so that we can start to work towards our goals. So it, it kind of starts as a way to clear out that junk and then increase your access to joy and playfulness and motivation and get in touch with what you really want in your life. And I guide the students through every step of the process. So it's a live course um, for six weeks. Six weeks. There's live calls, there's video lessons, there's guided hypnosis recordings that you can listen to each day because training the brain is a lot like training the body. The more we show up to the gym or we, the more we swim each week, the stronger we'll be, right? So the same is true for the brain. The more we have these experiences that are supportive to us, the more our brains are going to change. So it's designed to really set you up for life and give you tools and strategies and practices to navigate all different kinds of areas of your life. So I have a lot of people that come back to this course and come back to the tools in this course when they are experiencing worry and they want to navigate that or when they're experiencing stress and they want to reduce it or if they want to boost their access to their motivation when they're 
encountering a new a new project that they want to work on. Um, so it really is designed to give you a whole toolkit of of ways to change your own brain. And I am I'm really excited about it. the next cohort is January sixth, twenty twenty four to February tenth. But I will be running many many cohorts in the future as well. And it's just an amazing mental reset button for you to empower yourself. You know, I'm offering tools and suggestions and strategies, but if you go through this course, you are the one that's changing your own brain and you're the one that's directing the changes that are happening. And it's so amazing to see how empowered people become when they realize that they're capable of that. So if that's something that you're interested in and you want to really take control of what's happening in your own mind, it's a, it's a great way to dive in. Where do we get it? You can get it at emilylies.com, E-M-I-L-I-E-L-E-Y-E-S, and that will take you right there. Um, you can also find it at the link in my bio on my social media platforms. So uh, Instagram is at emilylies, and hip, uh, sorry, uh, TikTok is at emilylies.hypnosis. I just have to say one quick thing. <laughs> I always love asking people where stuff is. Because anyone over about 50, 55 always starts with www, Emily dot, you know what I mean? Like, and like everyone. HTTP, colon. I just had somebody, and I always try to edit it out unless they, you know, because I edit these shows. So unless they really yeah. run it into a sentence that's and I'm like, oh, it's going to sound weird, the inflection. I got to just leave it in. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, <laughs> but I, I always love it. I love listening to people who are, I say this. But like under 50 knows we don't have to say WWW anymore. Right. That's so funny. All right. Before we go, three quick things. One is you mentioned a podcast. What's that about? So I have two very, very exciting launches that are kind of happening in tandem. So I have a podcast called How to Like Your Life and a hypnosis app called Doddle, D-O-D-D-L-E, that are launching at the same time in January, specific date TBD because I am doing this all myself. So we will see exactly when, but I, um, I wanted to give more long form resources for people to really learn these tools to change their brains. So how to like your life is a solo podcast for now that will delve into a wide variety of topics. And it's a very practical approach to mental health. So I see so many, so many podcasts and and resources out there that talk about things in theory, but then people leave and they're like, I understand this, but I don't know what to do with it. How to like your life is an emphasis on the how. So for example, the first episode is delving deeply into this concept of exploring when things are going your way. And we will talk about the negativity bias. We talk about the phenomena that are happening in the brain, and then also how to use practices to support ourselves. So at the end of every episode, I offer actual exercises and homework that people can play with to start to change their brain based on the topic of the week. And I'm really excited about this. It's um, it's launching in tandem with my hypnosis app, Doddle, which will have tons and tons of guided hypnosis recordings. And for anybody who hasn't done hypnosis before, just treat it like a meditation with a really specific goal. It's not like this crazy mind control magic <laughs> manipulation that it's that is shown. I, I wanted to give a little disclaimer just because some people don't always know that I'm not going to make them cluck like a chicken while they're like sitting on their couch trying to relax. It's just highly, highly relaxing visualization-based 
practices that are really effective. So <laughs> um, Dottle will be full of those. I think there's like 130 unique hypnosis sessions on there so far. And there's going to be a whole library in Dottle that connects to how to like your life. So at the end of every episode, I will give a suggested guided practice to listen to so that you don't have to do it all on your own. You can turn on the hypnosis every morning and start to change your brain in a way that is easy. So how to like your life teaches you how and Doddle makes it a little bit easier for you. And I'm really, really excited to share those things with the world because I don't see it very often. I don't see these things as mainstream. And I think it's a shame because there's so many tools that can empower people to make really big changes in their lives for the folks that are stuck. And while therapy is really essential, and I, I'm a firm believer in that as well, there's so much more we can be doing to like our lives and enjoy these moments that we have. So I'm really excited to launch both of those. And I will uh, give access to the the links to that for you to share with everybody. Um, yeah, stay tuned for those things. We close these shows with two questions every week. Don't panic. You know the answers. Question number one is pretty simple. It can be anything you want to say, which is who inspires you? Ooh. Hmm. You know what? I think going along with all of these conversations that we're having, I think I inspire myself. Yeah. I, there's so many people who inspire me. I, the, every single human inspires me because I am so in awe of how people live their lives. But turning it back to being present, I think I, I inspire myself as well because seeing the humanity in every person also allows me to see the humanity in myself. Yeah, it's a good question. And the final question is not a question. It's a simple statement to finish. It goes like this. Tell me something good. Ooh, I am drinking coconut water and it is so refreshing. <laughs> That's the first thing that came to my mind. (laughs) Thank you, Emily, for sharing your good brain and helping us discover our own. Next time on World Gone Good. Jeff Noble's formula for problem solving. Here it is. Very simple. Okay, I got this problem. First thing I say is, so what, now what? That's one of my favorite sayings. So what, this is happening to me now, what am I going to do about it? Then the second thing I do is I thank God for the problem. Because I know that on the other side of this problem, is a growth spurt for Jeff. So I thank God for the problem. And I say, how many different ways can I solve this problem and enjoy the process? Jeffrey V. Noble elevated himself from the projects in Harlem to learning from spiritual leaders across the globe. He is a man on a mission to educate, motivate, and empower others to do the same. This author, healer, and teacher blends physical and spiritual harmony, and he is the next good chapter to becoming unstuck. Coming up in our next all-new episode. I can't wait for you to hear it. Until then, be good. Be good.